3: Welcome everybody to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rick Shields. And over here in general towards my left, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean?
4: I'm good, Rick. How are you doing?
3: <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh once again wondering, uh I think our guest is supposed to call us, but you know. Uh
4: That's okay. Hey, I gotta thank That's where we left it,
3: but we have our second guest already. It's actually live in the Everyday Connections studios south, right across the desk from me. So it's very unusual. It is. I have somebody to look at that moves, you know, instead of just a picture. <laughs> and I don't I,
4: have a, I don't even have a picture.
3: Fully dressed and. You have to add add to the, add y'all as contacts or something. Add a contact. But I don't know what's your Skype name, but I know what your email is.
4: So what's going on?
3: I don't have a How was
4: your weekend? uh, What did you do? Nothing. You didn't do nothing?
3: I hung out with the uh, goddaughter, the most awesomeest.
5: That's cool.
3: And we had recording session here at the EC Studios. Did you? Yeah. This very headset That's that very I'm wearing cool. was cradled around Amy's head, and she was singing her rear end off.
4: Nice.
3: Actually had so to, do we have actually had to get her tracks to like,
4: now for the show?
3: Yeah, we do. Actually, I had to get her to like tone it down That's just a little bit because she was blowing the mic out. Couldn't keep up with her. It was clipping. <laughs> yeah, really. Have to get her a better mic for singing. But we have her a headset so that she can talk. And uh, hmm.
5: Awesome.
3: Okay. Ah, I bet we have Sarah right here. Hello. Gee, Sarah, is that you?
2: Yes. Yes, it's me. Hi How there. Are?
3: Welcome, welcome. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. My chakras are all in balance right now.
3: That's Excellent. <laughs>
2: Nah, that's kidding. excellent. Mine
3: apparently are not, at least according to somebody I met last Friday. But Oh, well. They're know, all a mess,
4: apparently. You
2: can remedy that. You can remedy that. No worries.
4: No, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to run with mine being all out of whack, too, but
2: <laughs> that's
4: just how I roll. Well, you know, so it's that's okay. how it
2: is in today's world. It's hard. It's hard to be balanced, you know? So. Yeah, I put yes,
3: a comic to my wall on Facebook a week or so ago, uh, said something about my desire to be well-informed is often at odds with my desire to remain sane.
2: Right. <laughs> no, definitely learn too much, that's for sure. So how are y'all tonight? We're great.
3: We're doing good. Um, Looking forward to yeah. hearing about what you got going on. I, are you going to... Ask our traditional first question, or we we, we only have a short time. Before,
4: oh yeah, boy, yeah. Boy
3: Scout picking up. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, boy scouts to pick up. Tonight. Well,
4: I I mean Who it's mean? it's a very yeah. quick question, so
2: yeah, I'm fine. Um, I'm fine on the time. Who the hell you? are you? I'm sorry. Who the hell are you, and what do you do? <laughs> Who the hell am I? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that question. That's an excellent question. Um. So I'm Sarah Gish, and um, I have a company that I started in 2000 called Gish Creative, and it's a personal, family, and business enrichment company. So under that umbrella lies many, many, many things um, that kind of make me crazy. But So I'm an artist. I do intuitive guidance sessions. I do workshops. Um, gosh, I do marketing consults. I do PR for people. I publish Two publications in Houston. One is called Gish Picks a guide to cultural activities for families and um, that goes out every week and I recommend three cultural activities for families. And I also publish a guide to summer day camps called the Summer Book where I list almost 200 summer camps day camps in Houston that are for kids. So, but my big my big passion is just helping people, you know, ignite their lives, create connections and champion culture. So I really, particularly the first one, Igniting Lives, that's that's the big thing that is my passion, is to help people find out who they are and, and start living a great, happy life. So there you go.
4: Well, that sounds just totally awesome. You you also happen to be um, an incredibly creative artist, because i got to say, I stopped by the website, because I had to, yeah. and um, wow, girl, what you could do with hubcap! I don't, or no, it's a wheel. Actually, what you can do with it's wheels. I mean, I'm, I've crazy. never seen anything like that.
2: Well, it's different. I mean, I actually Google hubcap art every once in a while just to see what's going on out there in the hubcap art world. <laughs> and there's not a whole lot. There's, you know, there's a lot of people that are not a lot. There's one guy that is kind of melding or welding hubcaps together and doing funky things, which really I'm in awe of. But um... Yeah, you know, using them as mandalas certainly has never been done, um, and just using them in art, period. I mean, I, I just love hubcaps. So, um, yeah, it's kind of this weird fascination, and what's really sad is that hubcaps, per se, are kind of going away. You know, especially the ones I like are the, well, I really like the old metal ones, which are really cool, and if you saw my chakra number six, I've actually put it made it a cover photo on my Facebook page. It is a gorgeous. You know, metal hubcaps, just gorgeous. And, um, but they don't make those anymore, period. And so those, you have to kind of find those at specialty places. Um, but the plastic hubcaps are kind of going by the wayside as well because everybody's moving over to wheel rims, those big, humongous, you know, things that go on cars now that are all one piece. And um, no more stealing hubcaps and no more using them in art. <laughs> it's a bummer. So I don't like progress. Has-
4: <laughs> That's right. How, how great. That's does one get into making hubcap mandalas? Like, I mean,
2: it's such a <laughs> far-out there concept. It was, I, was I mean, ask, did the hubcap
3: thing start with the art car or? No,
2: no. It's really, um you know, people ask artists all the time, "Where did your inspiration come from?" And artists all the time can never really answer that, you know. But but I can say, you know, it, it's – and I say that because I think it's sort of this divine intuition thing that happens when you connect to a, you know, whatever you want to call it. For me, it's, you know, the divine spirit or whatever. So I can't necessarily explain where I get my ideas from. In fact, I really can't much at all. Um, but the hubcap thing is kind of – I can kind of – Connect it back to um, when my brother died. He died in 2004, and it was a very you know sad thing. He died at 43 years old. Um, but when he died, it was like hubcaps were raining everywhere in my path, and I just started seeing them everywhere on the ground. And um I actually, it was so weird. I asked my sister in law, who was his wife, you know, was there something with Jeff and hubcaps? Because I'm seeing them everywhere. You know, you hear. Like pennies from heaven and oh gosh, when people die you might see a lot of pennies and that reminds you of them. I don't know if you all have ever heard that of that concept, but um apparently not. Absolutely.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, no, but anyway. absolutely. After after my mom passed away, everywhere I drove for the next year I was seeing deer. And that was my mom's um that was her totem.
2: Yeah, see okay, so. there you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the hubcaps I said to my sister-in-law, you know, is that anything related to Jeff? And she said, not really. I mean, we used to drive on I-45 and see them everywhere, but no. So I don't know. I mean, it was just my own thing. But I, I saw hubcaps everywhere, and then it became sort of, you know, and I know you guys align with the law of attraction and all that stuff, but I really, it was almost like I was magnetizing hubcaps to me because I would see them propped up by the side of a tree like i can't even tell you how many times hubcaps were neatly propped up by the side of a tree and almost like for me it was just really weird so i started collecting hubcaps and my rule was that i didn't pay for them so they were you know repurposed hubcaps found on the side of the road and also that they had to be in good shape so i got about probably 50 hubcaps in my garage and it was just crazy so you know, and then, to connect them to mandalas and chakras, I have no clue <laughs> where that came from but But, I will say you know another very wise artist friend said, you know when you're when you're making art, try to make series, you know have a series different series that you're working on because you kind of can wrap your mind around this is my you know blah 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 series, so that's kind of where it all started, and I thought, you know why not relate?" You know, hubcaps to me look like mandalas. I mean, when I see hubcaps, and this sounds so weird, but they make me happy just for these, you know, hubcaps, if you really start looking at them, and hopefully you and all your listeners will go out tonight or tomorrow and start looking at hubcaps because they really are beautiful. And, um, you know, they're very different. Um, they're not necessarily like snowflakes because there's a lot of the same kind. But, you know, um, they're just nice mandala-looking images. So um, anyway, so I started just combining them with the chakra idea because chakras have colors, you know, and a theme. So, for example, you know, the first chakra, red and green, you know, the root chakra, well, not green, sorry, red, um, you know, and brown. And so, you know, that was a great to have a different set of colors to wrap around each piece was really awesome, too. So I kind of went with that. It, was, it just made it so much easier and also very challenging, though. I mean, it's really... You know, I'm working on another series right now on the 12-step, inspired by the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I I have to go around and think, okay, what what would um, how would I depict the word ser- uh yeah service? How would I depict the 12 step, which is about service? I was at a junk store, Texas Junk here in Houston, saw a bunch of spoons, you know, old spoons, and I was like, oh my God, serving spoons! So I'm going to make that one out of spoons. <laughs> but you know these these ideas just come to me they don't you know i I have to just let it go if i can't think of how to depict chakra number seven i'll just let it gestate for a while so it's a weird process
4: no not really i think any artist would agree that when you when you get a block or if you try to force art's not something that can be forced not ever. I don't think um, no, anybody has ever tried to write a song or write a book or write a poem or do anything creative. You can't anyway. force it. Yeah, not good no. art, not pure art. Um, so no, I totally really understand crazy. what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Well, good. So I don't sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, no,
1: not on this show. Not
2: in the <laughs> well, if you What's really cool about this show is that then, you know, it actually had its debut um, at the Houston Public Library, the Central Library downtown, which was perfect because it's an educational um, venue. And, you know, I loved that there are homeless people that go there. And they the homeless people loved looking at the artwork, and I would talk to them about it. And um, they got a lot out of it, frankly, um, but the other thing, the feedback I, I got viewer comments during that show, and the feedback I kept getting was, "Thank you for teaching me about chakras and mandalas because I didn't know anything about it and it was really mysterious to me before I saw your show." So um, you know, and I have I'm I'm a teacher also, so I have didactic panels with each chakra. So it I mean and it's very short, just a couple of sentences, but you know about chakra number two, what it, where it's located, what the colors are, what it means, you know. Um, and I think chakras are a great way to kind of, you know, during your morning meditation, check in with yourself and to say, you know, and it starts at your, your root, your pelvis area, your private part area, and then it goes up to your crown, and so to kind of say, you know, scan your body and to say, okay, which chakra do I feel, first of all, that I'm in today, you know, or am I feeling more, you know, creative, second chakra, orange and whatever, you know, or am I feeling more kind of, you know, Fearful and sort of in my root chakra, you know, and there's there's two sides to each chakra too and there's there's you know they've now say that there's not only seven chakras there's I can't remember how many, but there's tons of chakras, but for me, I like to stick with seven, but anyway it's just it's a great way to um you know i also it's very important to me with my art to always educate people, you know, and always have each piece that I make period and the story every single piece that I make has a story behind it. So and I also um like to actually write out the story because I'm also a writer, so I'll write the story of each piece and I'll put it on the back. So it's kind of this whole little you know, package that you get when you work with me, <laughs> when you deal with me. <laughs> so
4: I think I think it's a it's an ingenious way to um teach people about chakras because I, you know, I mean a typical anybody who wants to look up the information, you get your typical boring color chart and yeah. a few lines of text. And that, I, I don't care, you know, I mean, it. I don't care who you are. It just doesn't stick in your head unless you yeah. study, study, study. Like, you, you know, and it just doesn't stick. So, but this, this sticks because yeah. Chakra 4, it's a bunch of roses.
2: <laughs> you know, I mean. Right, right. I know. And you look at the colors and. And it's about love. Chakra yeah. 4, you look at it and you're like, okay, that's about love. That's
1: about know? love, yeah.
2: Um, I want to read y'all something yeah. real quick. And This may have been on Rick's page. I don't know where I saw this, but it was on someone's page, and it had the seven steps to happiness, and it's got the different you know, colors. Um, And I just thought it was so cool. So I wanted to make sure I shared this with you. Is this a good time to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so and the other thing about... The chakra colors, if you think about the colors of the rainbow, too, it's just so, like, magical, mysterio, you know, that the seven colors of the rainbow relate to the seven chakras and, you know, yada, yada. So anyway. Okay, so it has the different colors, starting with white at the top and red at the bottom and then all the chakra colors in between. And so the bottom one says fear less, love more. That's the root chakra. Complain less, appreciate more. That's chakra number two. Watch less, do more, number three. Judge less, accept more, number four. Talk less, listen more. Um, and then frown less, smile more. And the top one, which is the crown chakra, think less, feel more. So I just thought that was kind of cool because it kind of goes up, you know, the ladder of chakras. And if we can, you know, get kind of live from the seventh chakra You know, where we just and feel more to me is about intuition. You know, if we can live from intuition, um, gosh, think about how happy everyone would be. (laughs) What a concept!
3: Oh, I actually think about it fairly often.
2: I'm sure. Yeah, you guys visualize it anyway.
3: And um, but I but I do. I love those uh, those steps and uh, you know the way that you've presented them because it. When I first tried to look at chakras, you know, you're getting into spirit, okay, I'm going to do this spirituality thing, so I'm going to learn about this, that, and the other thing. And Gene's right. You look up chakras and you get some long explanation uh, that, heaven forbid, is, I'm you know,
1: boring. giving you
3: Sanskrit I'm words boring. and telling you the translations, and you just, like, sleep by the time you get to chakra number three. And... Uh, and I never really got it until uh, someone did about, like, those seven steps to happiness. And, you know, yeah. look, your creativity's in here, your love's in here, you're talking from here, you're looking from here.
1: Oh, okay, I get it.
3: <laughs> and well,
4: Yeah, and then wow. it makes sense, right? Yeah,
3: and we... we it was a sign of, I suppose, being an expert, you know, was that you knew a lot of, well, words that other people didn't understand, jargon and stuff. And I think that the days of the expert are going with the days of the guru right out the window.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
4: Long live the artist. That's all I can say.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was with the expert, to remember, um in with the artist. Well, Bruce Nauman has a great trope quote and I'll have to try to think about it for a minute, but it's um of the true artist reveals the world mystic truths. And um, you know, the artists have always been the leader in truth telling in the in culture. You know, and a lot of times it's because artists can say things in code and so, you know, particularly like in oppressive governments, you know, artists can can say things and, you know, the politicians don't get it. And you know it subtly gets out into the culture, but yeah, I mean, I think artists definitely speak a certain language that gets i mean we're all all artists are communicators, you know we all are i mean artists about communicating and connecting, so um, yeah, I'm glad that you know my hope with this show is that it you know it connects people to an understanding about chakras and mandalas, but also you know I'm calling it a revolution for personal peace um You know, and and the thing I want to say about mandalas is that, you know, Carl Jung, the famed um, Swiss psychiatrist, uh, talked about or had his patients focus on mandalas and and sometimes even color mandalas, um, you know, as a way to focus and center them. It's something about looking at this symmetrical shape, you know, symmetrical circle, um, kind of makes your mind a little bit more peaceful. And when I was working on these pieces, literally – I felt peaceful, you know, and when I look at them and I focus on them, I feel peaceful. So um, hopefully people will get, you know, a sense of personal peace out of this show as well, or at least some ideas, you know, how to be more peaceful.
4: Well, I I think it's absolutely... um fantastic i'm sorry i live so far away because i'd love to see these in person but i I know we don't have you for a lot of time so there's one more question that i gotta ask because i'm I'm looking again at your site at gish creative and uh what's the jeffrey gish memorial fund can you tell us about that and how people can help that out
2: Oh, you know what? Um that is my brother. So Jeffrey Gish and um uh, it's actually closed out. There's a little tiny note fine print on there that says it's closed cuz we did we were raising funds okay. in honor of my brother. Yeah, but um you know, it's it's great to just go on there and see his picture and, and read his story, but um yeah, we closed that out. So anyway, but yeah, so just you know, I That's a good point where you're saying, I wish I could come see the show in person. Um, Thursday night here in Houston, it opens from 7 to 9 at the um, 14 Pews, which is a micro-cinema. And I'm really excited because I think, you know, it's probably not true, but it may be the first art opening where we're going to have a massage therapist. So we're going to have Right, you get many massages
3: and and a chakra meditation.
2: And a chakra meditation. At an art opening. At an art opening. You get free food from Haven and... Free drinks from Pack of Tea, which is all yeah, all organic stuff. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. I'm really so um, all of
3: our Houston I, fans. You have our permission to miss the show Thursday night and, and catch it on the podcast the next morning. Cause there
2: you go. There I
1: you would go. be it's at the opening
3: if time. I knew how to transmit from a remote, but I hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> so I'll go to the closing. Uh, You're going to have a fun closing in November, is it?
2: Yes, November 11th. It's all yes. It's going to be very fun. Um, you know, and, and part of my big mission with um, inspiring people is to inspire kids and to reach out to kids because they're, you know, they're the number one folks that we need to reach with all of this and these messages about you know personal peace and about finding your bliss. And so um, we, I have this wonderful um, woman that works with kids, does yoga with kids, called Simplicity Love, and she's got a company called Divine Kids Yoga. And she is going to do Mandala Kid Yoga at one thirty on November 11th, which is a Sunday, and it it's all at 14 pews again. And then we're going to show the film I Am, which is a fabulous new movie by Tom Shadyak. And Tom Shadyac did the um, – he's, you know, famed Hollywood – you don't know his name probably, but he's a Hollywood director that did Nutty Professor, Bruce Almighty, Ace Ventura. You know, he gave Jim Carrey a start. Um But anyway, I was lucky enough to meet Tom in Telluride, Colorado in May at the Mountain Film Festival in Telluride. And um, so he's made this movie that Oprah just loves called I Am, and it's all about. I Am. um, It's an awesome movie. Yeah, well, it's about his journey. He he actually was near death from a biking accident and um, had an epiphany where, you know, he was this hard-driving, you know, gazillionaire making, you know, just living the Hollywood life, you know, huge house lots of private boats and cars and yada yada but had this epiphany after this brain injury where he realized that our world is too competitive you know and we need to focus back on being cooperative and the way i wrap my mind around this movie is that he talked about charles darwin's the meaning of life and he said something like the word um love is in there 95 times and you know some percentage huge percentage of the study is about cooperation, and you always we always hear about the survival of the fittest, right? From Charles Darwin's studies, when really Darwin focused a lot on cooperation among the species, and that never came out, you know, because it's just not part of our culture to think about cooperation. So it's, it's And a heaven forbid
3: stuff. we should talk about coming together.
2: <laughs> I know, It's crazy,
1: yeah, um, crazy that's talk.
2: What you guys know about. Yeah, but that'll be on at 3 o'clock at 14 P's because it is a micro-cinema. That's what's really fun about all this is it's actually a movie theater. So we're, you know, invading this Plain I
4: am. I'm so jealous. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. why I said I'm, I'm going
3: to the closing because
2: Yeah. Play, uh, I am.
3: It, it, it's, and why we'll we'll
2: do I live Mandala. in Canada? We'll have mandalas for people to, co- you know, color. Well, what I recommend you do up in Canada is just grab, um, you know, get some mandalas online and – you know, print them up and color them. I mean it's it's fascinating to watch people color mandalas because they get sometimes people are kind of uptight, um, which is not me. I'm very woohoo, easy going, you know, whatever. But people that are uptight are kinda of like, Well, where do I start? Should I start on the inside, the outside? Or, you know, what colors should I use? What colours will look good together? And it's very telling about your personality how you approach coloring a mandala. So um it's a good psychological tool as well so anyway but yeah i do want to mention
3: again uh i just put a link up in the in the chat room to the gish Picks facebook page um
1: okay thank you i want to mention that again to
3: everybody because that's really uh you know every week three family cultural activities um you know folks that grew up doing that kind of stuff you you know where to go and that sort of thing, but people that I'd kind of like to get into cultural stuff and they tear off and go to the ballet or the opera or something. Ah, and yeah, these are really great and and they're activities that the whole family can do together because we've Absolutely. got to bring the kids in on it too.
2: Yeah, well, if you want to find everything about me, go to gish g i s h creative dot com. I mean, that's my huge umbrella website of everything but gish Picks is on there um the summer book is on there um yeah in gish Picks, you know i really try hard i'm very proud of it because i try hard to find three um unique activities like recently let's see we had a hawaiian festival we i promoted the um oh gosh it was a polish harvest fest um you know, coming up, there's going to be a honeybee festival at Discovery Green with, you know, bee movies and activities, and you know, just there's just so many cool things going on in Houston that um, I really, you know, my goal is not only to get people excited about their own lives, but to connect with their community. You know, and, and so ticks is one of the ways I do that.
3: And it's so. it's really good stuff. I I didn't want folks to miss that. Along with uh, this creative and rather unique art exhibition.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's been great. It's been fun. I've had a good time making art. Art is all, you know, it's just wonderful. Feeds my soul, that's for sure.
4: And everybody else's who gets to share in your creativity. So that's an awesome, awesome gift you're giving to the world.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you never know. You know, you sit around and make this stuff. I've got my... Artist studios in my house, so I'm kind of, you know, just never know what people are going to think when I get it out there. And, and it really, you know, art really is like putting your heart out on the line, you know, for people to um, look at. And, you know, you just kind of wonder are they going to like it or not. But they, yes, they respond very positively, which is good. So. Excellent. Yeah.
3: Well, we're approaching the uh, the half hour. I don't want to hold you over or anything, but I'm so glad that you were able to join us tonight and let everybody know about uh, your show. And we may have to have you back so you can talk all about all these other wonderful things that you're doing and these classes that you teach. And uh, uh, because you're doing some amazing work, you really are.
2: Thank you. Yeah, we. You know, and I just have to give a little plug. We started this new group um, last night called Follow Your Heart a transformation circle for women, and uh, my friend Laura Burns and I um, started it. It's at this really cool old firehouse um, near downtown Houston that's kind of an event center now. Um, but we had six women show up. We were so excited because, not you know, anybody would show up. And it turned out that three out of the six were in the service industry. They were caregivers, you know, like psychologists and um, you know, head of a nonprofit profit that's for women in prison and it was just really interesting so yeah follow your heart is a new thing that I'm really proud of so yeah there's a lot so definitely I'd love to come back on and talk about just about anything so thank you so much for having me on I appreciate both of you so much and um, the show is October 4th through November 11th at 14 Pews and I should probably put out their website it's 14pews.org and then right. you can find me at com.
3: Absolutely. And I've got the Facebook pages up for the Follow Your Heart Houston and Gish Picks. And we'll try to get all those up on the archive uh, so that folks can see them. But, yes, if you can't make the opening Thursday night, uh, do try to get by. And, uh, of course, that day with the closing is just going to be awesome. Bring the kids for the kids' yoga and come watch I Am. Yeah. That's just going to be find awesome. fun.
2: My twelve year old son loved that movie. Was transfixed by it. So it's it's definitely appealing
4: to kids. So Well i I'm so glad he did it. Like I mean, um it's just, it's just so exciting to see that message going mainstream.
2: It's it's so, so exciting. It absolutely is. Yeah, it really, really is. So yeah. Anyway, well thank you so much. You guys have a good rest of your show.
3: All right. Well you have All a right, wonderful opening. Uh, have a
2: great opening.
3: And a Thank fantastic you so open. Much.
2: Take care. Thank right.
4: you. Bye
3: bye. Bye bye. Ah, well, that was fun. Indeed. That's Sarah. We classmates once upon a long time ago. Uh, we weren't in the same Strange class. Strange, the direction the same that school. your
4: uh, classmates, some of your old classmates, have gone in, eh? Oh.
3: Uh, and you It make you feel to know hairy. that you're
4: not the only one.
3: It's much better, really. Because it you know I had a lot of friends that went on to be attorneys and doctors and chief financial officers hither and yon and and uh, uh very staunch conservatives and that sort of thing, and it's kind of the it's kind of the way we were raised, i suppose uh, but there was it it was a little bit i suppose better variety of folks than you might expect at a very expensive college prep school. Uh, located right next to one of the old money neighborhoods in town Uh, because you got in based on the entrance exam. And you took an entrance exam and you got put on the waiting list. Somebody might've been on the waiting list for five years, but if you scored higher than they did, you got put ahead of them. And so, and if you scored high enough that you were to be let in, they figured out how to get you in whether your family could pay or not. So, um,
4: so cool. the cool. the school acceptance was based on in, on intelligence, and I'm assuming right. that it's not just bookworm intelligence either. I'm sure no. that a school like that would would expect some common sense street smarts as well.
3: Oh yeah, and
4: uh, some social intelligence. We did have
3: excellent art department and and art teachers, and and um, so there was always lots of outlet for creativity, and uh, some quite creative folks. Uh, Uh, I remember, uh, oh gosh, what's his last name? first name's John. Uh, Axelrod. Uh, I remember our music teacher bringing him in. He was, I I guess, three years younger than me, maybe. Um, Maybe four. Uh, But uh, somewhere in that range. And uh, brought him in because he was just like this piano prodigy. And um, he's now... Uh, earned lots of acclaim as a conductor. Lives in plays in, you know, all those expensive old theaters in Europe and stuff. Anyway well, that's pretty cool. Enough enough of my babbling. Uh we have a second guest. This is a special bonus show. We get two guests in one. So now that Sarah has <laughs> that left. That
4: doesn't happen every day.
3: That doesn't happen every day. Uh we right. will we will bring on Miss Amy, who was with us sort of last Tuesday when we had the "It's All About You" tales from the campfire show. What tales from the campfire? Something tales from the campfire. Called it. Yeah. Yes. So live from the Everyday Connection Studios South, we have. Uh, uh-oh, an echo. we may to have to work on that.
4: Live from the Everyday Connections studios, Connection. we have an Everyday. echo.
5: How are you, Amy? I'm good. Don't, don't be
4: <laughs>
3: turning around and she's turning, turning, facing the mic more directly at me. I'll <laughs> okay, the other way. Uh, we don't, I don't know mic it is that's echoing because we both have them, so. So, how are you? I'm good. Over there with a towel on your forehead and the back of your neck trying to cool yeah, off. Yeah, fever. It's got a fever.
4: Do so I get to ask her a question?
3: Of course. We didn't ask her the question last time because she was just a caller, and this time she's an official guest.
4: Awesome. So, Miss Amy Epic, Epic Amy, <laughs> Amy Gates, and multiple other names. Who the hell are you What do you do? Well, as you all
0: know, I am Amy Gates, and as to you, I am, you know, the epic Amy that, you know, my godfather talks about all the time. And I am a musician, and I write, and I go to school, and I do all that, you know, fun society stuff.
3: Clean house, babysit, (laughs) all that fun stuff.
0: Oh, and I guess I don't know what to say now. <laughs>
3: well, I'll say I'll say happy birthday again. Yesterday you. was your birthday.
0: Yeah, turned 16.
3: Yes, ripe old age of 16. And <laughs> how long is your first book?
0: It is 600 pages.
3: 600 ah, pages you wrote that two years ago. Fifth grade, actually. Yeah. Ah. Nine years old. 600-page book. Amazing. Kids these days.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's actually... um, I was so proud of myself. One time I was proud of myself for having accomplished publishing three books by the age of 36. And then I started doing a radio show. And now, well, every time I talk to you young people...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well... You know, it is a 600-page book on pretty much nothingness. I was in my uh, fantasy phase, which is, you know, vampires, werewolves, angels, fairies, you know, you can name it, and it took me three years to edit and write, um, and it's pretty much I wrote a whole bunch of books from, you know, elementary school, middle school, and didn't put a an ending to them, so I figured, you know, how about put a technical thing to it, and I ended up uh, putting all of my short stories and on fairies and everything, and I looked up, you know, on Google, because Google knows everything, um, about, uh, you know, the technical side of it, you know, how many different fairies there are, how many different angels, the you know, what kind of angels, what kind of fairies, what kind of werewolves, what kind of vampires, which ones do, you know, people, you know, like the most and,
3: you know, it was Oh, so we can we can finally ask a guest. Do vampires sparkle?
0: See, you know, Stephanie Meyer actually you you watch the movie and everything and the movie really does not do it justice. It really the books are actually pretty amazing and you can see what um she put into it but i mean i'm not a, i'm not a twilight fan i mean i i pretty much hate twilight but vampires don't sparkle i mean that's silly it's it's silly i mean but she did put a new spin on it but mostly what it is is my the vampire part of my book is um it is it's it's like the ancient vampires and what the core of where vampires came from and the theories of it and how, you know, the people put it all together to make this mystical creature that, you know, may have may have existed and the diseases that could have caused um, the vampire theory, which there's, you know, a whole bunch of theories of back then chicken pox or, you know, the the old colds and stuff that they thought it was.
3: Hemophilia.
1: Yeah.
0: And I just, I put that all together and made probably five different vampires that the world thought were real, or they were the fantasy creatures that used to be really, really big back then. And I mean, I did witches too, because witches was a really big thing back then. Um, And I put all this, those theories together on if they were sick, um, the mental uh illness that people think caused it um of all the villagers coming together and delusioning about um how witches came together, and some people think it was in the bread or the water or something um a mold actually may have caused it, which is crazy to think of that a simple mold could cause delusion and craziness in people, and it caused a lot of deaths back then, and so I mean, I just put all those series together, and you know I made a six hundred page book, which is amazing, you know, but I don't even know how I did it, but I did <laughs> and then i my um I have two three hundred page books that I've edited and written myself, and um one is about my brother and the the life that my brother lived and is still living unfortunately um and how we were when he wasn't on um, drugs and the new age stuff that they go into and um unfortunately my brother decided to go on a difficult road because we had a difficult childhood and um We, me, and my sister always have this theory that they took the bad parts of my dad and the bad parts of my mom and put my brother together. And but I wrote a book on that. Oh
4: my god! I have a brother like that too. Yeah, I have two two brothers. The oldest one is like every. I'm not gonna say bad quality of my dad because he there wasn't really anything bad about my dad, but you know his his more loose sides. Mm -hmm. We'll say that loose. His more you know, not caring size, irresponsible size, is all in the older brother, mm-hmm. the oldest brother. And then the younger of the two is like everything good that was my dad is in this. It, it's so weird. It's like my dad is cut down the middle.
0: It's yeah. Um, my My brother was abused and he was put in a very, very bad home. And so I didn't see my brother for probably three years, and um, before those three years, he was actual brother, and, you know, he did the brotherly things of picking me up when I was down and, um, you know, putting Band-Aids on my bruises and, you know, all that good stuff, and then I didn't see him for three years because my dad took him away from my mom and all that complicated stuff, and then when I came back and I saw him, he wasn't the same, and it's crazy how that short amount of time it could change uh, a person's personality and who they were. And he wasn't my brother anymore. And he's, he pretty much still isn't. He's, he's still in the rave scene and the drugs and, all that bad stuff. And so I wrote a book about it because it really inspired me because, I mean, he put me in a lot of situations where it wasn't good for me. And so writing about it, I've always put my words on paper and my thoughts on paper because I'm so creative that all the thoughts were jumbled in one and I was holding in all this lifetime of stuff about my brother and it really depressed me. And so I just wrote it down one day and started and kept writing and kept writing. And when it turned into a 300 page book, I was like, wow. And, um, that was a, it's a really personal book for me which I'm deciding whether I'm going to publish it later or not, because it's, it was kind of just a book for me at the moment. And I read it every now and then to remind myself on, you know, how much of a good person he was before, um, everything happened. And, but that's it was a personal book for me and whether i published it or not is you know a whole different story and uh my other 300 Some, books,
4: sometimes you have to create just to heal
0: yeah and that's exactly what i did because i was really damaged by it and uh it made me feel good about myself writing it down and reading it and actually dealing with the complications instead of tucking them away in a box like usually, people usually do and so i it gives me that comfort that I know I have it with me at all times. And um, my other 300-page book is actually on, and I am probably writing more in it, so it'll probably turn into another, you know, 600-page book because I'm not actually finished with it um, because my life isn't over yet. But it is about um, what I've gone through in my life and um, all the stories that I've had to share in my life the time that I've lived and I've gone through a lot unfortunately in the time that I have lived and so that's another comfort book that I have with me because you know keeping it all in it's it's unhealthy and it you know goes against my spiritual stuff and
4: um
3: my spiritual stuff yeah I like that yeah
0: and re-
4: so or, I, I got to know though sweetie how does how does a uh... You would have written this probably when you were 13 or 14. So how does somebody that young figure out that you can't keep that shit all in? Because I know some 60-year-olds who are still bottling stuff up and drinking themselves into the ground.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it takes a lot of courage. I mean, you have to have a lot of bravery to write bad stuff about yourself because a lot of people can't face the bad stuff about yourself. And when... You look at it and you see the, all the bad things that you've done and all the regrets and um, what you've gone through and what people have uh, put you through and all the heartbreak. And, I mean, people think, you know, I'm just a teenager, but it's it's more complicated than that. And, I mean, yes, there are 16-year-olds that are texting on their phones and all about Facebook, but, I mean, I am a different person than that, obviously, and it just it, t- it took a lot of courage for me. I mean, I cried a lot writing that book. I mean, you can see on the pages, you know, the smeared pencil writes and the smeared pen, and you know, it, it was it was really hard for me. It was really really hard, and that's it took me probably two years to write that book because it took a lot for me, and it hurt me in a way, but also it gave me the release of not having to hold all of that in. And, I mean, I was at a point where, I mean, if anybody got a hold of that book, they'd probably be like, wow, I didn't know all this stuff about you and give me pity and everything. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted, you know, if anyone ever read that book, I want them to actually read it with an open mind because it's, it's a lot of stuff to take in. And to read it and if somebody was going through the same stuff that I was going through at the age that I was at, they could relate to it and find peace in the situation that they were in, whether it was abusive or um, sexual or any of that. And if they could find, you know, the courage to build up and actually gain some self-confidence out of it and find some help. Like I didn't, I didn't find help till probably now. And I mean, I went through a lot of, you know, psychiatrists and people telling me, oh, you're this and this and this. And I mean, I've been told I have many disorders, but it's that's not the kind of help that I'm talking about. But it's the help of uh, somebody being there for you spiritually, like my godfather was for me. Um, And. Uh, family-wise, having, uh, whether it's blood or just your friends that you've been friends with all along. I mean, there's always someone out there that you can talk to, whether it's online or in person or somewhere. And people don't have to go to the extremes that I did when I was at that age and still... <laughs>
4: I think the interesting thing about your story, though, Amy, is you talk about you talk about getting help. But Mm -hmm. what I hear from you, and and it's why I'm so impressed. Since the first time I actually got the chance to talk to you, Rick's goddaughter aside, I don't really give a rat's ass who you are, you know, as far as Rick is concerned. But as a person, you've impressed me because you didn't wait to get help. You started by helping yourself mm-hmm. first. And then it seems to me that the help came.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't go out and look for help. You go If you go out and look for help, you're not going to get it. Because people are like, oh, I need help. And they go out and they try to look for it. But you, it comes to you. You open your heart up to get that help. Um, and it first takes you... You know yourself to sit here and talk to yourself. I mean, it sounds crazy. Yeah, people are going to think you're crazy walking in the hallways of school or work or wherever you're going and talking to yourself about it, but to, to, you just don't give a damn about it because you're helping yourself and you have to sit down and deal with the problems and actually admit that you have a problem, which is, I mean, that sounds like Alcoholics Anonymous, but... Um, you have to admit to it, and it works in any situation, whether it's in a horrible marriage, or um, you're a drug addict, or an alcoholic, or in a bad relationship. Teenage-wise, um, it you have to face it. You have to tell yourself, "Oh, I'm in a horrible marriage. Oh, I'm a drug addict and I'm an alcoholic, or something like that." You have to. Face you have to it. own it.
3: You can't change what you don't own.
0: Yeah, and that's when you actually start uh, helping yourself and building your self confidence up and building the courage you you need to face face it and actually get the help and i didn't get the help probably until what two years ago that you that we sat down in a circle and we talked about it was probably two years ago and i was yeah. in a really really rough spot two years ago i was you know i was depressed and i didn't have anybody to talk to because i i really didn't have the family at the time and when rick sat down and tell me how And I I had to face it with myself, and then I went and talked to Rick, and Rick helped me. He came to me and asked me for help, and he told me that he wasn't going to give me help unless I wanted it. And, I mean, that's – you have to face it yourself, and that's the first step in getting help is with yourself.
4: So what was your breaking point, Amy? What made you look in the mirror? Because that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day is you have to – something has to happen, to make you want to look in the mirror and go, holy shit, I can't do this anymore. I have to change. Well, and it's not its not about everybody else around you changing. It's about you changing what you're willing to live with and what you're not willing to live with. So what happened to you at such a... I, I don't need the details, but what was your breaking point? Like, why did you suddenly sit up some one day and go, okay... I, you know, I have to fix this.
0: Well, it's amazing because not until six six months ago, I mean, I've been sober for six months, um, as I told you, um, and my godfather knows, and six months ago, I was, um, I was doing, I was drinking a lot, and I was doing a lot of drugs, and I had a lot of, I was almost seizuring, and I, I kind of, I got off off the floor, you know, and I kind of I haven't looked at myself in the mirror for years and to look at myself in the mirror and see how I was. And I didn't look at myself in the mirror because I knew I was going to see a person that I didn't know and I didn't know myself. And I was a completely different person from what I've been raised as and what my mom has told me and what my sister wanted me to be and what my family expected out of me. Um before then i wasn't sober a day of my life for two years, and to look at myself in the mirror and see the person that I was turning into and the road that I was going on it wasn't it wasn't worth it to me because you know I did want to go to college and I did want uh I did want to work on my music and be a musician and fulfill the dreams that I've had all my life and to see the person that I was at the moment, it was not that person that I wanted to be um and so I just had to kind of s- splash some water on my face, and I had to ask myself, you know who I was and it took it probably took me this long to realize who I am um, because it's I lost myself completely. And that's that's pretty much what it was, is that I was getting into a position where I was having a lot of health problems. I was having conflict with my family. I was ruining my family life. I did not really have the relationship with my mom or my sister that I wanted. And I was turning into my father and my mom at the same time, and I never wanted that. And so I kind of just got off, off my feet, and I did the unhealthy way of doing it. I, you know, quick cold turkey, and then for two weeks I threw my guts up but it was still worth it and now that I look back on it and I don't regret it I don't regret any of the things that I did because I wouldn't be the person I am today but I did take that extra step to realize what I was doing wrong and how I was ending up because I do have a three-year-old nephew at home that lives with me and to have him walk in one day and find me dead on the floor, I would never want that. I'd never want that. And that's kind of what woke me up was that I have a caring sister at home that cares about me a lot and we're really close and I have a 3-year-old nephew that might see me dead and I I didn't want to do that to him. And so I I quit. And I've been sober for 6 months now and I haven't taken a drink. I haven't done anything of that sort except for take a pain pill because my side hurts. <laughs> so that's about it. So,
4: I can't even I can't even fathom um what kind of woman you're going to be or what kind of influence you're going to have um through your work because talking to you at the age of 16 is like talking to you know, the average 40 or 50 year old who's been through this crazy lifelong journey to find themselves. And you just summed all that shit up in a matter of, like, what, a year? Mm -hmm. Um, It's truly incredible. Um, And we need to take a break, but when we get back, I want to talk to you about what you're doing now. With the knowledge that you have now, I want to talk to you about that and go over... Again, just in case for anybody who's listening today that didn't listen to our show last Tuesday,
1: Mm
4: -hmm. I highly recommend, first of all, that you guys do that because Amy had some great insights on that show as well. But I want to go back to what we talked about on the last show, and I want to talk about your videos and your life choices, Mm -hmm. the changes that you've made, and your newfound self-confidence and Mm -hmm. what you're doing with that and how you're influencing others.
0: Sounds
3: good. Awesome. Awesomeness.
0: So I think we're playing a song that um, I, we recorded this weekend of me singing.
4: Yes. In the yeah. Everyday Connection Studios.
3: Yes, we have a uh, a cover of... Somebody sings that. Song Ingrid is
0: that? Uh, Ingrid McKelson.
1: Okay.
3: I just wanted to be sure we gave credit to the oh, yeah. original songsters. Um, but yes, from the EC Studios. So if it's a little rough, you can blame the sound engineer. That would be me, and I'm not really a sound engineer, but I play one on TV. So we'll play that, and I don't know. We might even go ahead and play the other one because if we don't play both songs now, we may not get them in. I don't know. We'll see. I
4: think we should. Yeah, let's play both, and it'll give me a chance to stoke my wood stove.
3: Here you go. <laughs> and I need fresh coffee too. So this is uh, Amy Gates singing "The Way I Am." Mm. never. Never shout never. But by Amy Cates.
4: Miss Epic, you have an epic voice.
0: Thank you. You're
4: you're welcome.
3: welcome. (laughs) Very good stuff. Very good stuff. Jason likes it, too. (laughs) Pick it on him.
4: That's okay, I pick on them all the time. So, um, what are you doing now? You released a video a little while back that Mm -hmm. um, was very heartfelt, very open and very in your face. Um, And so explain that to us, why you did it and uh, what you're hoping to get out of it.
0: Well, um, my video... As you and Rick know And for the people that didn't watch Last Tuesday I think Thursday something like that Um It's about LGBT And it's I called I Have a Heart for LGBT And I actually did it for my friend That was um Doing a uh, march Uh in the area Locally to Um for gay rights Um it was called um if you're okay, or, or if you're gay, that's okay. Um, and it was for the kids that were not out of the closet and were struggling with it, because I know a lot of people that are. Um, and I have a lot of gay friends and that are having family conflicts. And the video was pretty much telling, you know, half of my story. I mean, it didn't even tell the whole story. It didn't tell, you know, the struggle, the all of the struggles that I went through with my family and my friends and it was it was to pretty much open people's hearts to um you know lesbians and bis and transgenders and gays because i mean yeah the back then they weren't open to it as they are now, but still we still have to do the gay rights movement, and that's been going on for a really long time, and um hopefully it'll end soon because. Uh, there's a lot of people coming out of the closet and sharing their story. And you can tell that we're not just a disease. We're not, we're not different from everyday people that are not homosexual. Um, We are very much alike. We have jobs, we have a family, we have a life. Um, We have people that we love. And I actually know a, a lesbian couple and she's actually my lesbian mentor that uh... they are about to get married somewhere where it's legal and uh... they live together they're on each other's insurance and sort of and um you know they they live a very happy life and they're actually talking about having kids um, but it was it was to open people's hearts to the struggle of what we have to go through every day Because we are discriminated and all throughout my, even now, through high school, um, through elementary school, because I did come out in about fourth to fifth grade, um, and through intermediate years, it was a really rough time uh, for me because I was getting bullied and I was called a disease and I lost a lot of friends after I came out, I lost um, a lot of family. Actually, a bunch of family. And um, it was it was sad because the people that say they're there for you through everything and say that they love you and they care about you and they don't care who you are turn around and tell you that they hate you and that you're going to hell and because of their Bible belt. And it was all because of the Bible with my family because half of my family's Baptist. And um, my grandfather... Uh, actually sat there and told me in the middle of church that I was going to hell because um, I was homosexual and that we didn't have rights and that we were a disease and God didn't want me. And I struggled with that. I struggled with my religion and struggled with knowing who I was um, uh, religion-wise because I didn't know where I fit in because it was really, really hard uh for me to fit into a religion when they're telling me that I'm going to hell. And I I got kicked out of Christian camps. I've gotten kicked out of churches. Um you know, I've had a cross burned in front of me. I mean, it's it's tough.
3: The, the getting kicked out of Christian camp thing really tell us a little about that.
0: Um I ended up I've been going to this Christian school for, you know, two or Christian camp for two years and um I went there my third year. And um, I just I, that's the year that, before I came out publicly, I was going to see if it's okay religion-wise, and I wanted to know their views on it. And so um, my counselor the first day wanted to talk to all of us, and she said, write down your conflict, and we'll talk about it. We'll be open about it. Well, I put down that I was, I was gay. And I was lesbian, and I liked chicks, and, you know, and so we go into this little conference area where you talk to uh, the counselors about, you know, your problems and who you are, and she sat there and told me that God didn't love me anymore, and I was not accepted into society, Um, I was going to hell, I was going to burn right with Satan, and Satan was going to prod and poke with me about my sins. I was a sinner for all my life because I was gay. And um and I sat there and I told her I was like, "Well, what what has this like what does it have to do with me as a person?" She goes, "Well, now that you're lesbian, you're you're not a good person at all." I'm like, she goes, "You're a disease. You you get you are you're infecting people with your nonsense." And I said, "It's not nonsense. It's my love for women and because I think women are beautiful and they have good spirit and I love women to death and I wanted to be with women. And so that made me a bad person. And you know, story short, there was actually three other lesbian chicks in the cabin with me and they stood with me and actually our counselor ended up going to a mental institution afterwards. <coughs> After um how old is- how old were you? I was twelve, actually. I was twelve. Jesus Christ.
3: And informed by the counselor at Christian camp that God doesn't love you anymore.
4: Mm-hmm. And they um, okay. They so I, Amy, I have a really hard-hitting question. Then go ahead. Um, in light of in light of your recent journey and your recent time that you've taken to look into the mirror and rediscover your connection to spirit how's your relationship with god now
0: it's good i um i write a letter to god every night before i go to bed because i i came with the fact and it took me you know it actually took me till probably a year ago uh to realize that i was not a sinner for being who i was and i actually looked in the bible i read the whole bible about 3 or 4 times went through it there's actually a part in the bible um, where a man actually sleeps with man, and most people skim through it and skip over it because it's in the beginning, but and most people probably misconcept it. But there is a part in the Bible where a man sleeps with a man, and I looked at that and I studied it and I you know I looked it up you know and I didn't want to take it wrongly to see if there was another meaning into it, but that's how I took it, and. I looked at it, and, you know, I looked at other religions and everything and um, see where, you know, my spirituality was going to end up. And I just came up with that I was spiritual because um, I believe in a lot of things. and But I do believe in God, and I do believe God loves me. And my relationship with God is great. And I do believe he loves me no matter if I'm gay or not. And um, it 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 takes... My ex-girlfriend actually, um, not my recent ex-girlfriend, probably two ex-girlfriends ago, because I have a lot of ex-girlfriends, but um, we were together for about five months, six months, and um, she didn't, she, uh, when I went out with her, she wasn't in terms with the fact that she was gay, and she wasn't uh, in a good relationship with God, and um, last year on my birthday, when we after we broke up, um, she was like, well... I need to come to terms with the fact that God's going to love me whether I'm gay or not. And I don't think God loves me right now because of I like women. And I, you know, I looked at her and I was like, you're not the right person for me. I was like, you, she, um, her family was really Bible Belt. And, um, she didn't come to terms with it. And I didn't want to be like that. And she, um... You know, after she actually, after she got into a really bad car accident and lived through it, um, after the con- she had a concussion and her face was completely broken, um, after that she actually messaged me on Facebook and told me that she knows God loves her now, because he saved her from that. And so after that, I was like, you know, God does love me, and no matter who I am or what I do. I know God loves me because I wouldn't have lived through, you know, my overdoses or my family issues or the abuse that I've gone through. I wouldn't have lived through it if it wasn't for God. If God was not there for me, then I would have died. And I came to terms with that. And so I'm, I'm, I am I'm, have a really great relationship with God. And, I mean, there's a lot of uh, religions that believe in multiple gods and everything, and... That That's that's awesome. But as long as you, you know, you believe in a higher power than yourself, then that's, that's all that matters because something has to save you from going down the roads that you go down and saving you from death and the near-death experiences that you have. So I have a really great relationship with God, even though I'm gay.
3: <laughs> I just... Uh, Take a moment to point out that uh, just this past week, uh, California became the first state in the United States to ban gay repair therapy for minors. Gay repair therapy is where therapists and all sorts of official sorts of authoritarian figures try to help you fix your gayness because it's a mistake or whatever.
0: Disease.
3: Yeah, and um, the governor signed uh, a bill. I guess Thursday last. I don't know, but anyway, uh, Senate Bill eleven seventy two that bans putting minors through that, even if
4: you're their parents. All right. Um, well, I just I, I I'm not going to harp on this because y'all know how heated I am about this particular subject, subject. But I, for anybody listening out there who has, you know, that classic Christian defense against this, my only question, and it will never change, is how can a God that you claim to be all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving make a mistake? Mm -hmm. When you can answer me that, then I will reconsider my view on this subject. Until then, I refuse to acknowledge anybody who says at any time that God, in any way, shape, or form, can condemn, hate, or want to destroy and torment the soul of any living man, woman, or child, or creature on this planet, for that matter? I, your, your courage absolutely stuns me, mm-hmm. Amy. I don't know what I would have done at the age of twelve if somebody had said that to me. I think I, I might have burned down the church. I don't know. Whoa. I. I mean, girl. Well, I mean,
0: um, mean, a lot of people say that we were made, like, you know, people make us this way. And it was why the question that I ask people every single time they tell me that I was not born this way, that I was not born with these um, unfaithful thoughts to God, as they call them, Um, why would God? put, gave into a situation where it would make their soul struggle for life. Why would they do, why would God do this to us if it wasn't meant to be? If, why would he put these feelings in into my body and make them who I am if it wasn't that I was born with it? Because I can tell you right now, when I was five years old, I, I tried to have intercourse with a chick. Like, that was and I can still remember that, thank, thank God, because that's, that's my earliest stage of actually experimenting with a girl was when I was like probably five years old. And when people come up to me and they're like, you weren't born this way. and I'm, And it frustrates me so bad because if God did not want me to be this way, why did he make me this way? And that's the question I ask everybody when they they come up to me and they and they ask me that and they ask me why I'm why I like women, and I like women because it's my um, my sexual preference and. Um,
3: you like women because you like women. Yeah. Why do Why do men like women? I, yeah. Why? You know? I mean, what?
0: I mean, I still have the love. Um, Get,
3: find me a heterosexual that can explain where did that come from mm-hmm. and when did they make that choice.
0: And I mean, I was in a relationship with a girl for four years, and we had the same love and the same affection for each other and the same relationship that a heterosexual uh, couple would have. Um, I mean, we did have the lies and we did have the cheating just like everybody else, but we did have the love and affection for each other just like regular couples did.
4: Love is so. love. Why yeah. does it, see, the, the, the problem is is that it doesn't always boil down to sexual preference either. There are those out there who just don't give a crap if it's a man or a woman. If you fall in love, you fall in love and that's the end of it. And mm-hmm. who the hell cares who you're sharing your heart with? It's nobody else's damn business in the first place. hmm it certainly isn't going to have a negative effect on your children. Would you rather have them in a home with a heterosexual couple who's fighting all the time and there's anger and there's violence, or would you rather have them in a home with two loving mothers who are caring, considerate, and they make compromises? Or
3: fathers. It. Either way. Or
4: fathers. I, yeah. you know, I mean, it either, reminds yeah, me
3: well, of you Neither know, here
4: nor there. It's
3: In his speech to the Congress up there, you know, of, pie.
5: I, mean, I I don't wanna
3: know what the children of you know gay parents look like. they look like me
0: well i know I know plenty of my plenty of my friends are actually raised by either fathers or mothers um and the thing the argument nowadays that's going around is how it affects your children and it really it really doesn't matter whether you have two moms, a dad or a mom, a single parent or whatever you have, it doesn't matter because the kid is going to be who they are. It's just how you raise them. You don't... They think that gay parents are raising their kids to be gay, and it's not like that. You know, I know plenty of guys and girls that are completely straight, and they have two mothers or two fathers, and it's not... It doesn't go down in the genes. It's not... It's not even it's not, like, a not, a birth not a disease. You can't catch it. Exactly. I mean,
5: it's, it's not it's catching.
4: Useless. You can't even learn it. You can use the same bathroom. It's okay.
3: Really? Hugs, um,
4: kisses. You know. it, it really boils down to this. I mean, back in the day, the idea of a good Christian marriage was for, till death do us part, blah, 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 blah. And i got to tell you, some of the horror stories that I've heard about the stuff that my... Grandmother went through trying to honor those vows with an alcoholic husband, an abusive, angry, mean alcoholic husband yeah so i i mean how is that how is that better how how is that acceptable in the eyes of God for a human to suffer their entire life at the hands the abuse of somebody else? How is that acceptable i i and, can't and, and how is it fathom
3: if, if they choose to get out of that how is that some you know sin against god because you're you know sacrilegious about the institution of marriage and so like these defensive marriage bills that you know when a pass congress you know is marriage between a man and a woman yeah well that's been working out real well considering more than half of them end up in divorce these days I, it i i have absolutely nothing against a man and a woman committing their lives to each other and living their lives together.
1: Love is love.
3: But I don't have any problem with women doing it. I don't have any problem with the men doing it. I don't have, you know, what? Well, if... What is the big fracking deal, people?
5: Well, to take...
0: I just, I think it's ridiculous because, I mean, men and women get divorced all the time in America, and why take away that right from gays? I mean, like... I mean, maybe it will lower the divorce thing because there's a or lot.
3: The times that a, a, a gay partner can't see their, you know, 30-year partner in the hospital because, you know, I'm sorry, you're, we only allow next of kin. That, it doesn't get any more next of kin than that, mm-hmm. people. And um, fortunately, more and more insurance companies, health facilities are beginning to recognize that.
4: Um, but and, and interestingly enough um, In Toronto And I'll actually get Amy to chime in on this one In Toronto, Ontario The uh, Toronto School Board met last week And they are embarking on a unique adventure Into um, a new school mm-hmm. That will strictly cater to gays and lesbians Oh wow An only gay, lesbian high school and their reasoning at at first, my I was like, well, that's you're segregating yourselves. That doesn't make sense. But their reasoning is to give these kids who haven't had the courage to come out in a normal environment to have a safe environment to go to school in and, mm-hmm. and, and to come out in and to explore their sexuality and to understand who they are as a person.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I think it's a good next step.
0: Oh, that's 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 definitely a great next step. I mean. That really helps because, uh, the LGBT teenage community, um, last year there was probably almost 50 kids that committed suicide because, um, they were being bullied by their classmates, um, about being, them being gay or lesbian or transgendered, um, and it's, it's sad because they committed suicide and their other life, their, their family life, um, was either good or bad, but if it was good, they had no reason to do it except for their, them bullying. And, I mean, cyberbullying and everything, it's its making kids commit suicide. And so to to um, create an environment where you can be open about your sexuality is great because a lot of kids don't have that. And if only they do that in the States, if only they did, because it would totally put down... The amount of suicide suicide rates um, for LGBT kids. And well,
4: it's a very bold pilot project, um, and I'm sure it's been a long time in the making. I don't know. I don't know many of the details about it. My daughter's been following it very closely, being a, a huge advocate for uh, gay and lesbian rights herself. Um, you know, so. She's the one actually informed me of it and at first I was hesitant, but once she explained the reasoning behind it, it sounded just like it's not the end it's not the end goal. It's the next step to the end goal mm-hmm. of total acceptance mm-hmm. yes. and reintegration back into a society that understands that these kids there's more of them than we realize. And I think that's that's the catch, is that there's so many kids who are still in the closet. You know, because we are terrified.
3: We just must reach the point where people can recognize, and I think everyone, if they will look inside themselves, will find it true that gay rights, lesbian rights, transgender rights, bisexual rights, black rights, orange rights, purple rights, they are human rights, people. They're just human rights. They in many communities long ago, did away with forced marriages, okay, well, telling somebody that they can't be gay, and you know having a society that causes them to go undercover and marry someone of the opposite sex to be able to look rugged, look right, look good and 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 the lying and the cheating and the the pain that's involved in that resistance to who you are. Look, people
4: deception. The deception to self, the deception to family, the deception to to the world, the deception to your spirit. I mean I I, I'd like to remind people that Jesus Christ only had one message. Only one. It was a very simple one. It was a lovely four letter word. Love thy God. Love each other. Mm it's all you got to do it's and, not that hard
3: and 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 if you read along with the story there you'll notice that he pretty much went not out of his way to you know he came across somebody that was a leper or this or that or another thing that you know lepers were that was just they were supposed to be banished and they're unclean and you know get away from me you like some animal or creature. Um, and so the example is there. Um, you know, I've angered more than one of my Christian friends by saying that if Jesus was around today, he'd be right there in the front row of the gay rights parade and the everybody rights parade. The civil rights movement. The front the,
4: row. He'd be standing on the podium making speeches.
3: Yeah, because oh. it it's just... Human rights, people. It's just human rights. It's it's just as alien to a gay person to sit there and think about you know h- how is it these heterosexuals feel? I just don't understand. Well, sure you do. How do you feel about your gay partner? They feel that way about their hetero partner. It's just their partner. It's just not. Her. But you know, you're gonna get both of us up on our soapbox because I I'm sorry
4: it it it's something that's been made so complex over the years and i am you know if you really if you really
3: and,
4: want to explore this on a deeper level then i suggest that you and yeah i'm going to get i'm going to get told off i'm sure by somebody for this but i i suggest don't go to your rabbi you don't go to your priest you don't go to your whoever is your spiritual leader, but I I do advise that you take your spiritual book, be it the Bible or the Quran or whatever whatever it is that you practice and you take it to your room and you lock yourself in your room with it until you've read it front to back, until you've truly understood it and then you can discuss it with your spiritual leader. But that book those books were made for the individuals to read to explore and to connect with in their own way, not through the guidance or the words or the the bias of others, uh, but in limitations your own way. Of others.
3: And, and in your
4: own way, with your own understanding.
3: It, it, it always blew my mind when I was a kid. Going to, I was Sunday school, sword drill, captain, all that hoo-ha, church. And it always used to get me when they would talk about, you know, Jesus is inside your heart. You know, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Uh Jesus is in your heart. And I'm like going, okay, so then how is there a problem with anybody? Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Because Jesus is in their heart too. Or how could he be in mine? It just always, it never made sense to me. And maybe that was unusual in my day, but it just, it just didn't compute. I'm sorry, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't even pass the giggle test, people. Think about it. And... Um, you know, there's not a one of us running or, that isn't running around with stuff we did that you know we maybe are ashamed of or whatever. We're we're starting to get over it, thank heavens, but um, it's people's lives are exploring who they are, and you know if that means that this partner is of the same sex and the next person they fall in love with happens to be of the opposite sex. What? They fell in love. Mm -hmm. How do you know that? Let
4: he without sin cast the first stone. Yeah, that
3: kind of stuff, you know? Explore who you are. Look in your own heart and explore who you are. Find out who, who you are and be brave enough like Amy here to look at the good parts, the bad parts, the icky, sticky, ooey, gooey, smelly parts, all of it.
4: Because we all got them.
3: Oh, yeah. Ey. Yeah, we all got them. I got some doozies, you know. And everybody's got doozies. So, what? You know, yesterday happened. Big deal. It does not have to decide today or tomorrow, especially. And, you know, so. See the way you'd like it to be, and then when you see something like this pilot project in Toronto or otherwise that's going in the direction you want to go, get behind it. Uh, there was a great article that I posted today, I believe, um, and I'll look for the I'll look for the link. But it was about the beholder activist <clears throat> that sort of the deal and this blended being thing they didn't talk about blended beings but I'm going to in- inject that um, it was a channeling from Yeshua uh, that was look you something's going on that you don't like or that you aren't sure that you prefer you go to that place where you are the observer, where you are the beholder because from there you can see the bigger picture and you can see what works and what doesn't work and what's down the road that you're headed on. And you can decide whether you like that or not. And But then take that wisdom from that point of view and bring it back with you to the right here, right now life and act on it. And, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily start a parade or start a sit-in somewhere it may just mean have a kind word and a smile for somebody. Uh, but uh, compassion is where it's at, people. And I, I, I don't know anybody that hasn't told stories about times where there was no compassion shown to them and how painful it was. Okay, well, show some compassion to yourself. That, you know, yeah, okay. If I had it to do over, I probably wouldn't do that. But I did it, so there. What are you going to do about it? You know, until somebody's inventing the time machine. And, you know, that's a whole other debate. But it is what it is, you know. What are you going to do? You know, the sun set yesterday. That's done. And uh, so it's what you do with it now. And uh I can tell just from the conversation that Amy here I was about to say young Amy but it's really h- kind of hard to apply that term it doesn't apply in terms of wisdom
4: It really is yeah but that's what you can't you can't
3: That's what she has done is stepped back and taken a look at the bigger picture and said, "Oh, okay, I get it." And then come back and tried her best to live her life that way every day and it's not easy because you know there's a whole school full of people that are still playing the same games they were playing 100 years ago
4: mm-hmm.
3: and a 1,000 years ago. And Don't forget,
4: Amy, there's a whole bunch of us out there who are supporting you 1,000% and mm-hmm. are behind you and are super impressed with what you're doing and just so honored and blessed to, uh, yes, to
3: yes, know I've, you and
4: to watch this journey.
3: I've had the joy of uh, sitting here at the command console of Amy's Skype. I have sent a friend request, a contact request to you and I yes, see, it's
1: done. I see
3: you connect
4: Long time yes. So,
3: <laughs> you know, she knows she can come talk to me and that it doesn't matter what she tells me, I'm going to tell her that she's a monkey. Oh, no, wait, a panda? <laughs> uh, no, wait. And, you know, I, my advice to people would be if somebody comes to you and tells you something and you want to tell them that they're wrong and going to hell, just keep your mouth shut. Okay. Just keep your mouth shut. You're welcome to your beliefs. I don't want to change one of you. I want to get to know all of you, but you got to get to know you first. Mm-hmm. And but I would say a good first step if you're in that position where you're really angry at any particular groups is to just keep your mouth shut. And you may find that in that silence, some thoughts come. But again, that's a whole nother show, and we've we've run our time, have we?
4: Mm-hmm. We have. Yet again, surprise, surprise.
3: So I did put the link up in the chat room for the article in the uh, San Francisco Chronicle about the state banning the uh, gay repair therapy for minors. For all our activist friends out there, feel free to get on that in your state. Well, Passing it in Texas would probably be a tough one. but um, So let's see. Thursday, we have Raja Sharma joining us. And then a week from then, on Thursday the 11th, we have Dr. Suzanne Carroll or Dr. Suzanne Lie, Lee, L-I-E, uh, whichever name you may know her by. Most everybody knows both of her names now. And of course, next Tuesday the 9th, I don't know who's coming. Somebody's coming. Somebody's always. Yay! Surprises.
0: Yeah. Well, as you both know, I am writing a new book now. On the six impossible things That the world thinks is impossible And my first chapter Is actually about a 25 year old woman That is going through the process Of coming out of the closet And um, I, I'm still working on that I am on chapter three I believe And what it's about is the six impossible things that the world thinks is impossible and for each impossible thing there is a different person from whatever country or state that they're in um about the struggles of how they figure out how it is not impossible because nothing is impossible as Alice says and it's the new Alice in Wonderland it puts a um realistic view on um that book because it is it does have a deeper meaning than a psychedelic trip that the author went on.
3: Um,
4: Absolutely. Well, yeah. why don't why don't we open up the slot next Tuesday for you to come back and talk about that book? Totally.
3: Okay. I would love to. There you go. Next there Tuesday night is scheduled. you go. Tonight, See, now schedule. we have a guest
4: for Tuesday night. Join us for Epic Amy. Amy. Epic.
3: Uh, Epic Amy, Amy, Epi- uh, Amy Panda.
4: Author, musician. Music
3: for Panda Soul.
4: Poet extraordinaire.
3: Yeah, yeah. I put her Tumblr up there. Good poetry. Uh why don't I want to hook her up with Bill? Janet. Indeed. The poets over there <laughs> at Inner Child. Anyway, I hope everybody can join us Thursday. And again next Tuesday, of course, will be epic. Right here on the radio. And uh until then.
4: Stay connected.
3: Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.